In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. <clears throat> Today we read the scripture uh, where Christ is sending out the 70 disciples, uh, the 70 apostles into the world as like a training uh, to see how is it that they are going to go and, and to teach them this model of evangelism and that he was going to go to all of these places, but he wanted them to go first before them uh, in all these different places. And we read in verse 1 of Luke chapter 10, it says, After these things the Lord appointed seventy others also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So as I said, this is a very good model of evangelism for us. How is it that we understand how God is wanting us to go into the world and to preach his name in a way that is right, in a way that follows this model? So I'm going to talk a little bit about what we can learn from this passage of the 70 apostles being sent out by Christ. And we can see a lot of parallels and similarities to how God is asking us also to go into the world and to preach his name. One very important concept is that he is the one who is the trainer. If we look actually at the life and the ministry of Christ, the people that he spent the most time with were the apostles. They lived with him for three years. And he was training them and preparing them for this mission of establishing the church and going out and preaching into the world. And that the people would see him and they would know him and that the apostles would have this opportunity to, to learn from him and to spend time with him. It reminds us of the verse actually that we pray during the litany of the gospel when it says, But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. We are in this age of grace where we are seeing and hearing the work of Christ directly. All throughout the Old Testament, the people had been waiting for the coming of the Messiah for hundreds and thousands of years, and yet they did not see him. And now at this time, the time here where Christ is incarnate on the earth, the apostles are getting to see him directly, to learn from him directly and understand from him directly. What is it that they should be doing? So what are some of the characteristics of this mission that Christ is sending the apostles on? The first thing is he sends them in groups. He didn't send them individually. Right? He sent them, it says what, two by two. And we ask, well, why is it that he would send them two by two? If, if he sent them one at a time, then you would be able to cover twice as much area than if you sent them two by two. But we see that this was an important concept that they came together, they went together for several reasons. The first is, is they support each other. When they are going through difficult challenges or difficult times, they too, they support one another. We read in Ecclesiastes chapter four, two are better than one, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. We see all of the ministry uh, of in the in the in the gospels or the ministry in the epistles. We see always that whoever is this uh, the missionary or the evangelist is going out not alone. Even when you when you think about Saint Paul, when we when we think he is the greatest missionary that's ever lived, he didn't go alone. He either went with Barnabas or went with Silas or went with another group of people like Saint Luke who was traveling with him and actually uh, recording a lot of the events that happened in his life. He never went by himself alone as like a one-man show going and like trying to preach everywhere. He, he needed support. He needed other people to be with him. Another reason that Christ would send them in, group is, in groups is because there would be less of a, of a possibility that that person would become puffed up. 
thinking that they are doing all of this work and all this mission service on their own, but they would see that it is a group effort. It's something that it's a, a group of people are doing it. If we, if we see that there is a fruit of the service and that there is something, there's a reward of the service, that the service is fruitful and that people are coming to the faith, instead of thinking, well, this is all because of me, because of my actions, because of what it is that I've done, instead we see that there's a group that is working together. Also, there's a system of checks and balances because sometimes one person on their own might be teaching or doing things that's not exactly right. Uh, not necessarily intentionally, but they just might have a wrong sense of what is the correct teaching. So if we have more than one person with us, then that other person can correct us. Saying, no, I don't think this is right. Let's go and, and, and research it. Let's go make sure we understand the right faith so that we can preach it to other people correctly. Also, when, when more than one person goes on the mission, they become what? An example of love. Because this is what we are teaching. We are teaching the people that, that Christ is, is, is asking us to sacrifice, to give, to show love to one another. So we ourselves are a demonstration of that love because we go together, more than one person, so that those people whom we are preaching to can see the love that is between us. In Psalm 133, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And Christ said about to the apostles, he says, People will know that you are my apostles because you love one another. That was going to be the, 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 the sign of your apostleship. It's not going to be because you can perform miracles or because you can heal the sick or because you are powerful at preaching. The sign that you are my apostles is because you love one another. So again, when we go two by two, when Christ sent the people, the apostles two by two, they would be able to show this love and this unity between them. Also, another important characteristic is that Christ sent them to all the places that he himself was about to go. He says what, before his face where he himself was about to go. We are actually paving the way of Christ. When, when, when we go and we tell somebody about Christ, when we talk to them about the Lord, about Christianity, about the church. What we are doing is we are not like the end all saviors. We are not the saviors. We are not going saying that I'm going to be the one who is going to save this person. Instead, we are just preparing the way for Christ. Just as St. John the Baptist was also a, someone who was preparing the way. He was, he, was, he was preparing the way so that when Christ would come, the people would be ready to receive him, that they would have had the opportunity to think about their sins, to repent of their sins, to wait for this Christ, this Messiah to come so that he would save them and they would be open to his ministry, open to um, the gifts that he wanted to give them. So we have to understand that we are part of a bigger plan that involves other people. Sometimes people are, uh, shy away from evangelism because they feel like, what good is it that they are going to do? Maybe I go and I tell someone about Christ, I invite someone to the church, I do something and I don't see any fruit of it. They don't come to the church, nothing changes in their life. But we are just one small part of a bigger picture. We are preparing the way so that Christ can one day come into their life. So it's important for us to understand that concept. We are preparing the way for the Lord. And that's why Christ sent the apostles to all the places that he himself was about to go. Also, it says that they were sent into <coughs> and they were sent into every city and every place. They went everywhere. They didn't discriminate as to where they were going to go. They went everywhere, in every place. Christ desires that everyone should be saved in 1 Timothy chapter 2. It says, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
<clears throat> maybe sometimes we are biased and we are prejudiced and we think that there's only a certain group of people who could potentially accept the message, who could potentially, you know, respond positively to the message and that I'm going to go to those people and I'm not going to go to any other people. Or there's a certain group of people that I feel comfortable talking to and there's another group of people that I'm not comfortable talking to at all. Or I feel like it's a, it's, it's, it's a waste of time on them. And yet Christ said what? Go into every city and go into every place and don't let there be anywhere where you do not go. Do not select, okay, I'm only going to talk to this group. No, I'm going to go everywhere. Actually, St. Paul, whenever he was preaching and going on his missionary journeys, the very first group that he would go and see and speak to in every place was the Jews. They were the first group. And then after the Jews, he would then speak to all the rest of the city, all the Gentiles in the city. So there was no one that he specifically avoided. Actually, for him, the Jews were the biggest problem. The Jews were the ones that were stoning him, attacking him, because he used to be Jewish. And now he left Judaism, and he's speaking against Judaism. He's speaking against the Jewish faith. He's saying, no, there is something greater than the Jew Jewish faith. Faith. So it would have been very easy for St. Paul even to say, what, I'm only going to focus on the Gentiles because the Gentiles are not going to stone me. The Gentiles are not going to kill me, you know, because it's too dangerous to preach to the Jews. And yet the first group of people that he would always go and preach to were the Jews. He went everywhere in every city and every place. <coughs> also in uh, verse 2, it says, what the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. What does this mean? It means there are very few people that are willing to do this mission. There are very few people. The laborers are few. The number of people that are willing to spread the word of Christ are few. And yet with that small group, that small group of people, we're speaking about 12 disciples and 70 apostles, the entire world heard the message of Christianity at the time just with those very few people. So sometimes again we feel like well, we, we are not a lot of people. How is it that we are going to make an impact in the world? How is it that we are going to be able to share our faith with the world when we are so few and they're, they're, we don't have a lot of resources, right? But actually, we see how Christ was able to allow the church to spread into the whole world. He says what the harvest is great, meaning the people are ready. The, the people in the world, the world is ready to hear. The people in the world today are predominantly, um, you know, without joy, feeling without purpose, depressed, sad, anxious, stressed, addicted. This is characterizes so many of the people in the world. And when we are coming to them, we are offering them a new message. We're offering them something that brings hope, something that brings a sense of purpose and a sense of, of life to, to death and a sense of light to darkness. The message that we are coming to bring the people is not a message of condemnation but we should be bringing a message of, of hope that we are that Christ is offering to each of us something that solves our biggest problems, that, that helps us in our greatest needs. And so we shouldn't think that we are working alone, that God is the one actually who is working. And even though maybe we are few, and yet the harvest is great, and God was able to use us to bring the people to him. Also, Christ told the apostles in preparation for their mission, he said, carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals. Meaning, don't worry about how the service is going to go. Don't worry, don't, don't, don't try to plan ahead for every contingency and have all of these things ready and planned because you don't know what's going to happen and God is the one who's going to provide and sustain this ministry and not we ourselves. 
Don't worry about your earthly needs. Don't worry about the danger you might be in. Don't worry about feeling awkward. Don't feel. Don't worry about anything. Just be willing to go. And when you go, God will support the service, and He will allow you to be to succeed, and He will support you yourself. You know, sometimes people who you know they go on these missionary trips to Africa or in other places, and we look at them and we say, "Well, how are these people living over there?" Uh, what, in what conditions is it going to be? How is it that someone who is here in a first world country like ours is going to give up all of these things and go to a very poor area and live there for a time and serve people that speak a different language? And yet God is the one who provides. And the people that went and established these services from scratch that went to these countries. You know, I was reading an article that was saying that um, and I think in, in 10 or 15 years, there's going to be more Christians in China than there are in the United States. And this is the same country where, where Christianity was completely illegal, and it was illegal to have a Bible, and it was illegal to have a church. And yet because of the efforts of so many missionaries, they went there, and Christianity now in China is spreading so quickly, and Christianity in the U.S. is actually declining so quickly that there's going to be more Christians in China than there are in the United States. Why? Because of the, the effort of missionaries then maybe someone were going to look at that situation and said there is no hope there there is no way that anyone could like there could be christianity could thrive in a country like china and yet it was because of the faith of those people that said you know what god is calling me to labor god is calling me to evangelize god is calling me to preach and they went and they left their lives here and they went over there and we see how god was able to work with them even though maybe they didn't even have experience and they didn't have resources and they didn't have these things because the holy spirit was working also christ tells his apostles greet no one along the road which means what he's not saying like don't be friendly he's saying don't be distracted you know when you're going on this mission you're not going on this mission and then halfway through you you know you meet people that are interesting or you find something that's interesting and you stop the mission or you just pause everything and you go and have fun and entertain yourself right sometimes we you know when we go out like and do community service as a group sometimes what we're thinking more about is not the service that i'm actually doing but i'm thinking about the social uh, aspect of being with my friends and so on and that's really why I'm going um, it, it's it's sometimes a, a wrong perception that I have is that I am doing a service but I'm really doing it for myself I'm not really here to sacrifice anything I'm here to enjoy myself and in this enjoyment if I'm enjoying myself while doing this other thing great and if I'm not going to enjoy myself I'm not going to do it here uh, Christ is emphasizing the fact that this might not be a very fun activity this might not be something that is enjoyable to you. This is something that is necessary. This is something that must be done. Just like the farmer, when he goes to harvest his crops, he doesn't do it because it's entertaining. He doesn't do it because it's fun. He does it because he has to do it. He does it because this is necessary, right? We also, as Christians, should feel uh, a zeal in seeing the necessity of sharing the Christian faith with those who are outside of the church because this is our mission. This is what God has done. We think about how much God has done for us, and we want to share that with other people for their own salvation. So greet no one along the road. Don't be distracted by anything. Don't be distracted by any kind of other activity. We are there to work. We are not there to play. We are not there to have fun. We are there to work. Also, whenever we go anywhere, we should understand the starting point of the people we are speaking to. Okay, 
He says what in verse 8? Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. Meaning, don't be picky about what it is that they're going to give you. You know, there have always been questions about, well, what about like fasting? You know, if you go uh, to a place and they offer you food and, uh, you know, it's during a fasting time. But these are very simple people that they don't even understand what fasting is, whether there's fasting seasons or anything like that. What should you do? He says, what? Eat what is set before you. Not because you are trying to get out of fasting, but because you are trying to meet the, play, the people where they are. You're trying to understand them where they are. You are trying to make them feel that they are accepted as they are, not because they have to meet a certain standard in order for them to be loved. People come from different backgrounds, with different languages, with different religions, and different, you know, so many different things. And yet we shouldn't be offended by, by them. We should understand that everybody is coming from a different place and think, how can the church be welcoming to those, to those groups? How can the church be accepting of those groups? It doesn't mean we agree with their doctrine necessarily. All it means is that we see them as being created in the image of God and that God is bringing them to us and we want to allow them to have an encounter with Christ. And the only way we can do that is by making them feel accepted, even though maybe their cultures or their language or their, their background, their religion, whatever it is, is different than us. It's foreign to us. We have to be able to, 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 to accept people as they are and make them feel welcome so that they can begin to grow in the church, so they can begin to understand what is it that we believe and have the option to accept it. They have to be willing to learn and we have to be willing to teach but from wherever state that they are coming from, we start from their starting point. Also, Christ tells them, before they do any preaching or anything, He tells them what? Heal the sick. Heal the sick there. Meaning what? Serve the people in their physical needs. Serve them whatever it is that they need. You can't go preaching to a group of people that are starving and then expect them to pay attention to your message. First, feel, feed them fill their, their stomachs, and then they will be able to listen to you. If people are sick, heal their bodies, and then they will be able to listen to you. And this is a means actually that God provides for us to be able to show love to people when we heal their sickness. And sometimes the sickness is not a physical sickness. Sometimes it's a psychological or emotional or mental sickness that people who have lived in just difficult situations and, and have gone through all kinds of trials and problems to their life. And then when they're thinking about coming to the church or we invite them to the church, we find out that they have a lot of issues. There's a lot of problems that have to be first addressed before we can begin to teach them about the Bible, before we can begin to have them understand the sacraments or, or whatever it might be. We have to first focus on maybe their emotional needs to, to make them whole and as, as a person so that they can begin to understand the faith. And so it's important for us as a church as a whole to be equipped to be able to do this, to where when we see someone coming to the church and we feel like they are, have some kind of emotional need or some other psychological need, that we are able to serve them and help them so that then they can take the next step and learn more about the faith. Then finally, he says what in verse 10 and 11? He says, if they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. What does this mean? He's saying, don't, like if we are rejected, okay, if people do not receive our acts of love, then we should not allow hatred to cling to us. We should not allow like the dirt, as like the hatred to cling to us. We simply move on and continue. We don't get discouraged by this. It says what? The very dust uh, of your city uh, which clings to us, we wipe off against you and then go on to the next city. 
You know, don't feel like because somebody rejected us that we have these negative feelings toward them, even if they mistreat us. St. Paul, when he was in one of the cities preaching, the people stoned him and they threw him out of the city as though he were dead. And then after he woke up from this, the very first thing he did is he went right back into the city again. And he didn't, he was not afraid, he did not hate the people that did this to him, but he saw the mission that he had as being more important than his own feelings or whatever personal negative experiences that he had. So we shouldn't carry with us any kind of resentment. You know, there's going to be a lot of people that don't accept what it is that we have to say. And it might be very benign, like we just ask people if you're interested to come to a Bible study, interested to come to a harvest meeting, interested to come to anything, and they say, no, I'm not interested. That's okay. There's no reason for me to feel awkward or bad about that. I did my part, and then I move on, and I can ask somebody else. We planted a seed, even though maybe that they didn't accept. So in conclusion, this scripture passage today reminds us of what is our mission as Christians and what is it that Christ told the apostles to do. We're not here just to enjoy our salvation and be contented with the salvation that God has given us because the apostles had this. The apostles were miracle workers. The apostles were living with Christ. And yet they did not say, you know what? We have Christ with us and so we are happy because Christ is with us and that's it. That's, that's, that's our entire life. And God willing, we will live as martyrs and God willing, we will go to heaven and we will have crowns in heaven and everything will be wonderful for us. No, they said what? While we are here on the earth, we have a mission and that mission is to share this message, this good news message with the world. And that is part of what makes us to be Christian. And if we fail from doing this, then we might find actually that God comes to us and he says, how did you use the talents that I gave you? How did you use the truth that I gave you? Did you bury this truth in the ground and say, you know what, I'm keeping it for myself and I'm not going to increase it or share it with anyone? Or is he going to come and he's going to find that we have planted seeds in the world? The martyrs for many, many, you know, hundreds of years have planted the seed of the word simply by their own faith because their faith was so powerful that they were willing even to die for their faith. This was an evangelism. This, when we look at their example, we see how much they loved God and how strong their faith was. And this in itself is a message that, show, that shows the world the truth of Christianity. Maybe today we are not martyrs and we're not going to be martyred in this way, but we still have an obligation to serve God by sharing the faith by sharing what it is, the good news that God has given us, and not just to keep it to ourselves. After all, this is why actually in the church, we are even Christians, as far as the Coptic church, the church of Alexandria in Egypt, because St. Mark was one of those apostles that came and he shared his faith with us, and God is calling us also to share the faith with everyone, and glory be to God forever. Amen.